Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Believe to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Welcome to the Believe in 76ers podcast. I'm Justin Grasso. And I'm Kevin McCormick. And this is a podcast dedicated to covering the Philadelphia 76ers on the Believe Podcast Network. Kev, we are now halfway through the preseason, and the Sixers are one and one. They faced the Toronto Raptors twice, which now thinking about it, I'm not sure why that's how the schedule was uh, playing out. But they had one game on the road, one game at home, lost the road game, won the home game. Feels like Sixers basketball. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, what's what's basically your takeaway from these first two games? Um, it's tough to say if there's one generic takeaway. Obviously, the biggest one is the team's better when the best players play. Uh, to be to be frank, seems, uh, seems reasonable. you definitely see that uh, that difference when Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris were in the lineup. But you know what? Honestly, I'd have to say it's the new guys. I've been very impressed with what I've seen from both Drummond and Niang. Drummond was absolutely phenomenal in his debut. I I even texted you on the side. You know, are we already talking about Drummond being a sleeper? That's how great he looked in game one. I thought he kind of kept that up in game two off the bench and kind of just that second unit in general. Doc Rivers talked a lot about them in training camp, kind of their cohesion and the way they've been able to mesh together. And I think we really saw that a lot in game two because, you know, Drummond and Yang were able to slide back to the second unit. So it was kind of them in full capacity. So definitely some some very nice takeaways through the first two games. Yeah, I mean, and obviously I agree when the better players are on the floor. When you have <laughs> Tobias Harris, when you have Joel Embiid, they're a much – more fun team to watch, but on a, I guess, less positive note. And, you know, obviously we talk about the the elephant in the room all the time, every single episode when Ben Simmons, we just talk updates on Ben Simmons, obviously he still hasn't showed up, but the team lacks a little juice without when he's not on, on the court. I mean, I get it. He has his limitations, but you know, it, it doesn't, the offense doesn't move the way that it did before and that's kind of something that we've been paying attention to because obviously there is a point guard battle going on right now because as long as Ben Simmons remains untraded the Sixers don't have that true point guard now obviously Doc Rivers made it very clear after game two that it doesn't matter like a lot of teams don't have natural point guards do I agree with him no do I do I buy that he's actually confident in the fact that they don't have that starting point guard. I actually don't, I really don't buy into that, but like I said, they have to work with what they've got right now. Obviously Daryl Morey is playing hardball in a stare down with Ben Simmons. So there's a point guard battle between 
Shake Milton and Tyrese Maxey, which at this point is confirmed by Doc Rivers. And um, it's been interesting through uh, two games so far. Yeah, and it's tough to kind of say one had a better game than the other. Obviously, Shake Milton did look very good with the starting lineup in game two after a little bit of a shaky start. But, you know, he had <laughs> he had Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris in the lineup with him. So it's kind of hard to take both in the same sample when Tyrese Maxey was playing alongside Drummond and Yang and not Embiid and Harris. But, listen – I I've said it before on here that I felt like there would be this quiet competition. Now we are seeing it. And I really do think that shake Milton should be the guy. I know everybody loves Tyrese Maxey and they, they want to hand him the keys. It's definitely a matter of preference at this point. Doc Rivers even kind of talked about that a little after the game on Thursday about, you know, kind of the different elements that each guard brings, but you know, between his size and his shooting ability, I think there's just a stronger case for Shake Milton to play in that starting lineup and let Tyrese Maxey be kind of just that microwave scorer off the bench. And we saw how well he played in that role in game two as well. So obviously there's still no final decision yet to be made, but I think Shake Milton might be just a little bit ahead in the race in my eyes. Yeah. And that's obviously going to be an unpopular opinion for, for the uh, Sixers fan base, because obviously Tyrese Maxey again, came out on Thursday Huge standing ovation when he came off the bench for the first time. He's a fan favorite, and it's deserved, really, because he is he's a fun player to watch, and his development has been pretty incredible to see over the course of his rookie season to now. But Doc Rivers has his preferences. Obviously, he has a reputation of choosing the, I guess, older veteran. Shake's not that much older, but he's the older veteran in this situation. He's more experienced, and all signs basically doc rivers is preparing everybody to for the moment that he announces shake milton is the starting point guard even though he probably won't make that formal announcement but it's gonna probably trend towards that unless tyrese Maxey comes out on monday night against brooklyn and just absolutely flashes dominance in that starting lineup because shake milton will not play which is also unfortunate for him but unless tyrese Maxey really just shows like you have to start me it's probably going to trend in the direction where he more so becomes the spark off the bench because last year that was shake Milton doc didn't want shake Milton in the starting lineup. He thought he was a spark off the bench. I thought he kind of fell off a little bit. Um, But I I think when you look at it, Tyrese might later on down the road, be the better player. He probably will be, I think, but because he creates for himself. So it's one of those things where, he could probably be better with backups because he can kind of create that spark more than shake can where shake, you can kind of have him blend in with the starters and it'll probably be, you know, better for him to be in that starting lineup. Exactly. Like just because I'm saying that I think shake Milton's ahead in the race and should be the guy to start doesn't necessarily mean that I'm saying that shake Milton was better than Tyrese Maxey. I think there's a case even right now that, that Tyrese is better than him. But like you said, it's all about fit. It's the same thing we talked about all during the 2019-2020 season. It's not about having the best five guys out there to start the game. It's about having five guys out there that make sense. And Shake Milton, in reality, makes more sense with that group than Tyrese Maxey. He has the the shooting capabilities to be another floor spacer around Embiid, and I think having him alongside Embiid could get him back to that 2019-2020 season where he shot 43% from beyond the arc. And then defensively as well, we're talking about, you know, missing Ben Simmons on the offensive end. 
They're going to miss him a lot on the defensive end as well. I don't think we've seen it too, too much through two preseason games, but it will become a reality. And I think starting a pair of six foot two guards and Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry together will be, you know, problem causing on a nightly basis. So with Shake Milton, you're putting a six five guard in the lineup. He has a seven foot wingspan. Granted, he's not a prolific defender in any, you know, sense of the word, but he's giving you length. He's giving you a little more size than having a very small backcourt. And like you said, Tyrese Maxey is a guy who can create and score the ball, something that bench unit has desperately needed in recent years. So I really think there's, you know, kind of the long-term benefit of paving Tyrese Maxey into the, the six-man super sub type guy than trying to just throw him into the starting lineup and be the short-term solution to no Ben Simmons. Absolutely. And you kind of jumped the gun earlier with uh, talking Andre Drummond and George Niang. So we're going to pivot to that now because – those are two guys who, I mean, the Sixers had a quiet offseason. Like, it, it definitely was not what everybody expected. Everybody expected home run moves in free agency, blockbuster trades, and really they held on the Ben Simmons, so there was no blockbuster trade. And then they just signed Drummond and Niang, really. And, oh, and then re-signed Ferk and Danny Green. Sorry, don't want to <laughs> discredit those two moves. But, I mean, like you said, Andre Drummond in that first game was – clear-cut MVP of that game. And then Niang really has just been kind of I, – I didn't love him in the starting lineup, but in that second game just really showed, like, you know, we talk spark off the bench. This is a guy who you needed Mike Scott to be that guy last year, and then it was just, like, brick after brick. And then you bring in Niang, who's got this quick trigger, and, I mean, his shot goes in. <laughs> yeah, and it goes in a lot. Listen, um – we talked all last year about the, the spacing concerns in that bench unit. And I think George Niang is that, that fix. Like you said, he's got that quick trigger. The shot looks great through two games. He's showing a little bit as a passer, you know, he's keeping the ball moving. So I think it's just from a glue guy perspective, doc rivers was so high on him all throughout free agency. He talked a lot about him through training camp, even still talks about how high he is on him now. And, you know, it feels like what he's talking about is really translating to the court we're seeing the shot go in he's doing a little bit putting the ball on the floor and it's just that his fit in that unit has almost just been seamless drastic upgrade over Mike Scott but that's really not saying much because the bar wasn't exactly set very high but Drummond's look phenomenal as well I mean listen you joked at me when I said that he could be you know a potential upgrade over Dwight Howard and he's looked great I think he's given all the same stuff that Dwight gives in terms of physicality around the rim doesn't foul as much, and he's even shown you know, some very sneaky, nice passing ability. And I think in that second unit where you're going to need, you know, ball movement and guys who keeps the ball moving, having a center like that who can make some nice reads here and there is going to be that nice upgrade. So Andre Drummond honestly couldn't have, you know, started off on a better foot in my eyes in terms of debuting with a new team. I wanted to crack up when he said doesn't foul as much as Dwight Howard. Hey, he doesn't. <laughs> Listen, Dwight Howard. The no, King... I don't think any center in the league doesn't foul as much as Dwight Howard. Yeah, very true. But listen, uh, Andre Drummond's not going to come in and commit four fouls in nine and a half minutes. So that major positive. Yeah, it is a positive. But the only the only thing that so obviously Andre Drummond has been a good center in the NBA and you know, is his impact on the game as much, you know, as good as his stats, you know, it's a debate, but the thing that, and this, this happens a lot on the Sixers where early on a center is like, 
this is the best center to back up Joel Embiid. And then Wait, the playoffs come can around. We, can we talk about that real fast? Because this is now the third year in a row. I know. That that narrative has come about. First it was Horford, then it was Dwight, and now people are already That's why I'm bringing it up. And then what happens when the playoffs come around? Everyone's ready to fire said center into the sun. Exactly. It's every year. It's This is the best center for Joel Embiid ever in his career and then the playoffs come around and it's this center is absolutely unplayable in the playoffs the Sixers made a mistake they should have gotten somebody else so that's that's where I am with Andre Drummond I'm not even thinking about regular season I'm thinking about the playoffs where that's that's where the Sixers need to get further than they've been before they can get the first seed again this year and nobody's going to be satisfied because we already saw what happens when the Sixers get the first seed they don't get any further than where they've been before. And really the backup center position is a big reason why, because they become so unplayable. Now, obviously a lot of factors played into last year's collapse. Doc Rivers rotations were awful. The amount of players that he played were, was just like, it didn't even make sense, but that's where my reservations are with Andre Drummond. I think he has a chance to still be playable and effective in, in the postseason setting. I think just his physicality and his energy, I think in game one early on, seeing how effective he was just playing within his role, I think he kind of strayed away from that at times where he tried to do too much. But in the beginning, he was just being physical around the rim, setting hard screens, rolling hard. We saw some nice passes. So just being able to kind of come in, do your thing within the flow of the offense and be effective. And I also think he's a much stronger defender than Dwight Howard, not only at the rim, but on the perimeter as well. I don't think we've seen it too, too much in the preseason, but there were glimpses during training camp where Andre Drummond was being switched out on the perimeter and he holds his own. He moves well for being a big body. He's a great athlete. So, you know, I, granted the, the talk is always going to be there. We're not really going to know until the playoffs come around, but I'm very, I'm kind of high on Andre Drummond coming to the start of the season. Well, I'm loving the optimism. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> it's, it's always good to have some uh, positivity here in Philadelphia because obviously things don't always go right. But right now there's a player who's just absolutely killing it. And again, we just look at that 2020 draft class and you got Paul Reed G league MVP you got Tyrese Maxey, who everyone believes if he were to get more playing time last year, he probably would have been in rookie of the year conversation. Then you got this guy named Isaiah Joe, who, I mean, I'm extremely bullish on Isaiah Joe this season. And if you're not, then you're not paying attention because this guy really, it goes back to the summer league and where, how he looked in the summer league. And then, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's okay. It's a summer league, whatever there's, you know, it's not top talent. But Isaiah Joe in these first two preseason games is making it extremely difficult for the coaching staff to not give this guy more minutes. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and take a long victory tour, but heading <laughs> in to the 2020 draft, I wrote an article for 97.3 ESPN about three sleepers in this draft class for the Sixers, and one of them was Isaiah Joe. So I'm not going to sit here and say I called it. I'm right. I'm just saying – as far as guys that are high on Isaiah Joe, they don't come much higher than me. But listen. And Elton Brand. Yeah, uh, yeah, and Elton Brand. <laughs> gave him the promise for a reason. Shout out EB. I don't ever want to hear that Elton Brand's not a good GM. He's out here no, finding no, Yeah, no slander for Elton yeah, Brand on this no, pod. No Elton Brand slander. He found Isaiah Joe. He knew he was a gem. But 
Isaiah Joe's been great. I completely agree with you that he's he's making it very hard for Doc Rivers not to play him. I feel like that was something we said a lot about Tyrese Maxey last year, and it's something we'll probably say a lot about Isaiah Joe this year. The size is still a little concerning. Uh, he's talked a lot about putting on 10 pounds, but uh, it hasn't made <laughs> that luck. much of a difference. But three and D guys in the NBA are worth their weight in gold. And, you know, Isaiah Joe is trending in the, a great direction to be that type of guy. Granted, from a physicality standpoint, he can still be attacked at times, but has great defensive fundamentals, long arms. And we've seen the preseason. He's not scared to shoot the ball from anywhere, and he, he's nailing them left and right. So for Doc Rivers, who's saying he wants to get more threes up and he wants this team to attack more on the perimeter, if Isaiah Joe's still shooting the lights out all through the preseason, I really don't see how you don't give him a chance to be in that uh, rotation to start the season. So, Kev, I have to cut you off real quick because something just came up. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski, Sixers officials and clutch CEO Rich Paul have progressed in talks over recent days on a resolution to bring all-star Ben Simmons back to Philadelphia in the near future and discussions are ongoing. And Shams put out the same thing. Wow. Okay, so let's pivot real quick to Ben Simmons. I didn't <laughs> want to do this. I literally had zero intentions of talking about Ben Simmons Woj bomb mid-pod? Woj bomb mid-pod. I didn't want to do it. I didn't have Ben Simmons' name even on the plan for today. But when Woj tweets, we got to pay attention. And the plans for the Sixers to continue canvassing the league for trades is there. But the possibility of Simmons reporting to the team has increased in recent days. What is your takeaway on that? Uh... This is throwing me through a loop because this didn't happen before. <laughs> I mean, it's a little funny after all the hardball they played all summer that it took two preseason games and, what, three fines to uh, start to change this around. But obviously, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, it's this crowning thing. It's great to see that he'll come back because obviously the Sixers are still a much better team when he's on the floor. And it's good to see them finally come to their senses that, the best way for them to get what they want, which is a trade, is for Ben to come back and remind everybody his true value. Daryl Morey is not budging on selling low on Ben Simmons. So if Ben Simmons wants to get traded, he would have to come back and show everybody why Daryl Morey has set the price so high. This is just going to be – I mean, if he does come back, obviously that's – I mean, it's still up in the air. It's Where gonna is he going to live? He sold his place. Who's he staying with? He's got a place in Jersey. That That's the thing that that makes it like funny to me is because everyone's freaking out because he's selling his condo in Philly, but he wasn't even living there at all last year. So it was really like inevitable. He's selling that condo regardless. He has a house in Jersey. He has not sold that yet. But anyway, um, it's just going to create such an awkward situation. Like I get oh, yeah. Daryl Morey's the type of GM who isn't concerned about that. That isn't a concern. Then it's just kind of like, we're going to get, you know, uncomfortable, but he can do that. But then there's still guys like me and you talk about it all the time. Joel and B Tobias Harris team leaders that have been through really a lot since both of them have been in Philadelphia and they kind of overcome that adversity. And then the moment things got hard for Ben Simmons He wants out. He doesn't want anything to do with this team. So now he might have to walk back through those doors and they got to put on this, this smile, this fake smile, like, Hey, welcome back, buddy. Even though Joel's over here publicly saying what he's doing is borderline disrespectful. So it's like, Oh man, this really for a team that 
really wants to take that next step and become championship contenders in an Eastern conference that got so much better this off season, this is not the way you want to start the regular season. Yeah. And it's just even more so for a team that's done so well, I'd say in the past 18 months of kind of completely shifting their culture into a much more positive direction. I think Ben Simmons walking back through those doors is going to be, like you said, it's awkward. I mean, while nobody slandered him too, too much from media day, Grant Joel Embiid's rant was justified and did, you know, dig a little deep. Nobody said anything too far gone about Ben Simmons, but I, I still think that they're going to feel some type of way that even though he didn't go through with this holdout, the fact that he was willing to potentially take it that far definitely might've rubbed some guys the wrong way. So I think at the end of the day, you know, him being around as long as he had might make things a little easier, but there will be some, there might be some awkward tension in these first couple of weeks. So do you think that Ben remains on the Sixers for this entire regular season? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's like inevitable. Like you have to trade this guy. It's going to be one of those situations where I wouldn't say as extreme as James Harden because James Harden, I think it was like game what, four four or five yeah. <laughs> and he's just like i'm out like i'm done that's it but i don't think it'll be as bad as that but it like first couple of months ben might play and then it's just kind of like his value maybe goes up a little bit i don't think his value is going to go up that high because that playoff series was so bad yeah to where really your value doesn't bounce back to what it was before like it can go up but i don't think it goes as high as it was before one thing is on that, though, is with him coming back and him playing, it gives people a fresh perspective on Ben Simmons to where if he held out, like, say they tried to trade him all summer, the last time GMs, executives, you know, president of basketball operations, anytime someone saw – the last time they saw Ben Simmons was that game seven, you know, where he was struggling from the free throw line, where he passed up the open dunk to Matisse Thibel. So I think uh, him coming back, him reminding everybody, you know, how great of a facilitator he is, how, you know, how much of a floor raiser – he is for any team that he's on, what he does defensively, what he does as a playmaker, how, you know, dominant he can be in transition can give people a fresh reminder of, hey, you know what, you know, this still is a promising young all-star talent in this league and might entice a team to maybe up their package a little more to acquire. For sure. Yeah. It, it hit the bottom. It's bouncing. It'll bounce a yeah. little bit. It's definitely it a go back to where tactic. it was before. No, it won't. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, any any value getting raised right now is good for Daryl Morey, obviously, because teams have been open to throwing out decent trade packages, nothing crazy, but the feelers weren't bad. Let's just say that. Like, there wasn't anything where it was like Ben Simmons for a second-round pick. Like, it, mm -hmm. it wasn't that bad, but it can bounce back a little bit. Obviously, it has to get to the point where he comes back to the Sixers. Um, right now, he's been very – He's shown a lot of resistance doing that. So I don't know how that's going to go, but shout out to Woj for the bomb mid pod. Let's get back to Isaiah Joe. <laughs> Isaiah <laughs> Joe. I wanted to throw out before we went off that topic that as good as Isaiah Joe looks right now, I want to keep everybody's realities in check for the regular season. When doc rivers inevitably <laughs> says that for Concord Maz, is ahead of him in the rotation. I don't think anyone will be upset that Matisse Thibel is going to be ahead of him in the rotation, but that's also an obstacle for Isaiah Joe. 
to get over there. So there is a reality where Isaiah Joe looks how he did in the first two games for the final two preseason games and is still not in the rotation on opening night. Oh, yeah, there there definitely is a reality to that. But I think one thing Isaiah Joe has going for him is Doc Rivers is a guy that doesn't necessarily have a set number on his rotation. So, <laughs> Really? Uh, <laughs> Interesting he, development. He even there. said it after practice on Sunday, there's still no set number. So he admitted Isaiah Joe is, you know, he he's pressuring guys in front of him that, you know, he's coming and he continues to impress. So I think there's definitely a lot of positive momentum going in Isaiah Joe's direction. And I think, you know, it's a flip of the coin of where his stance in the rotation is to start the season. I think there's a reality where he's in it. I agree with you. I think there's a reality where he's not, but I will say if he doesn't see more opportunity this season, I think that'd be a bit of a disappointment. Granted, I don't know if he's a productive everyday guy just yet, but I think if you give him more playing time on the court and give him time to mesh that he could be there by the end of the season, given a proper amount of time. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's just definitely, it's all about timing with this. Yeah. And like I said, <clears throat> as I mentioned that, you know, Ferk is probably ahead of him in the rotation. Obviously, they just signed this guy. So, like, they brought yeah. him back on a much bigger deal. And they know what he brings to the table in the regular season, at least. He's not very consistent, but he can, you know, come out and just out of nowhere give you 30 <laughs> <laughs> on, on a random night or hit, like, a shot that you need to hit to get a game in the overtime or win a game. So, Ferk is going to be ahead of Isaiah Joe in the rotation, but – his his leash might be shorter this season because Isaiah Joe is applying pressure and making himself look very good in this preseason and made himself look good in the summer league. So now let's talk injuries. You've obviously been around the team for, I, I guess we're going on two weeks now. I, I joke and say that I'm on a COVID-19 suspension <laughs> and my suspension is lifted tomorrow. Tomorrow's, tomorrow tomorrow is my final day. I'm assuming they're not practicing tomorrow because they have a Probably game not. tonight. So in reality, I'll be back on Wednesday, but I haven't been around the team as much. I've been sitting in the nosebleeds for the first preseason game. I'll be there again tonight. Um and but you've been around, you've been kind of hearing about the injuries and, and seeing everything going on. So we'll just do a quick injury roundup to let everyone know what's going on. Tobias Harris, obviously, needed a knee before the first preseason game. Didn't play, played in the second one, didn't play in the scrimmage, not going to play on Monday night. What's the severity of Tobias's injury? Um, it doesn't seem to be that it doesn't seem like anybody's injury is that severe. Doc Rivers didn't talk too much about him yesterday, more talked about um, Shake Mountain and Matisse Thibel. He said Matisse Thibel uh, is not going to play against Brooklyn, but is close. So that's a positive sign because that's someone who was a standout in training camp. So missing out on this time definitely is not beneficial to say the least. And then Shake Mountain stepped on Andre Drummond's ankle during practice on Sunday and sprained it the way he talked about it didn't seem like it's going to be anything too severe. Obviously it's going to cost him the game against Brooklyn, but there is a chance that we see him back in the lineup on Friday against Detroit. Definitely. And then there's obviously Grant Riller who unfortunately yeah. lost his preseason because yeah. he tore his meniscus. So I will say he, this is all, I guess more just speculation, but he, it doesn't seem like his injury is that severe as well. Uh, first couple of days in the past, like eight days, I would say probably eight or nine days. He's gone from being seen on crutches 
to just being in slides at the scrimmage to yesterday at practice, he was in sneakers. Great. I didn't see him doing too much, but you know, obviously going from crutches to being back in sneakers is, you know, yeah. a, a nice trend in a positive direction, especially when the word meniscus is being thrown around. Definitely. Yeah. That's a trigger word for Philadelphia after the playoff run, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Grant Riller, they said originally two weeks he'll be reevaluated. Um, I mean, he had he had a procedure done, so to think that he'd be on the court in two weeks is kind of like way far-fetched. But, I mean, that's, that's a good sign that he's, you know, trending in the right direction. Obviously, he's not – he was never going to get much playing time with the yeah. Sixers, but he had a good first game. And, I mean, Doc Rivers seemed very bullish on him. Uh, listening back to his I think it was the first practice since Grant Riller got injured and you know he said that that's someone who was standing out in camp he looked good so that's a good sign for him obviously he'll get to showcase his talent whenever he returns down in Delaware and um, so we got two more games left in the preseason Brooklyn on Monday Detroit on Friday I believe it is and um, so Obviously, there's going to be guys resting. Seth Curry is not going to play Monday. I don't know if he'll play on Friday. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume Joel Embiid's not going to play in that final game. Tobias Harris at this point won't play Monday. I kind of feel like they shouldn't play him on Friday. Just get him to the regular season healthy. So there's a chance that a lot of guys don't play on Friday. So when you kind of dig deeper into the back end of this, what is something that you look forward to look seeing in these final two games? The young guys, this is their chance, especially we just did all that talking about Isaiah Joe. If he wants to work his way into the rotation, these final two games are the way to do it. There's going to be a lot of playing time to go around. There's going to be a lot of opportunity. There's going to be more shots to go around with no Embiid or, or Harris and, and Curry likely playing. So, you know, that, that's what I'm looking for. Who can stand out? Who can impress? Can, you know, can these second unit lineups still build on the cohesion that they have so far? But I'd have to say it's more the rotation battles playing out. This is this is a great opportunity for guys to really cement themselves in the rotation to start the regular season. I'm going to go deeper and say, you know, we talk so much about that 2020 draft class. I mean, Daryl Morey really Tyrese Maxey hit Isaiah Joe becoming a hit Paul Reed. I mean, his, his preseason hasn't been as great, but I mean, G league MVP in year one, yeah. it, it doesn't get any better than that. So really that's a, that's a home run of a draft. And then we kind of go to 2021 and, Jaden Springer obviously wasn't everybody's favorite in the summer league. Um, And then Charles Bassey just debuted finally. (laughs) So these last two games, I mean, they could be for them. I mean, there's going to be less guys in the rotation, so they might pick up some more minutes and then you can kind of see what they bring to the table. And then there's always the two way Aaron Henry and then uh, Shaq Harrison's been getting some playing time too. So I'd like to see something out of them. Um, obviously when the better players come off the floor, those guys come in, you see some more turnovers, some, some bad decisions. So these are the last two games. These are for them. Like those, these games are going to be for them when it gets to the second half. And I'd like to see something out of that draft class. Obviously Petrosev isn't here. He's overseas. Have you been paying attention to him by the way? No, I haven't. Why is he? St- I saw. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. <laughs> I know he had a really good debut, but that's about all I've yeah. seen from him so far. 
Yeah, so obviously we should probably uh, look look and see what's going on overseas. But yeah, I I'd just like to see something out of that that draft class. Obviously, Jaden Springer, he should have a lot of time to like people should be giving him more chances. Obviously, summer league, his first minutes, everyone's like this guy sucks, and it's yeah, like, come on, he's bro, he's what nineteen bro. years old. Yeah. He's a late first round pick. Like, g- give him some some time to improve here. Yeah, seriously, relax. Like nobody, nobody expected Jaden Springer to be like a guy day one when he was 18 years old when he was drafted. Yeah, like he's he's gonna be on the blue coats. Like Doc made that yeah. pretty clear. I think it was on Saturday when he said that. So I mean, but like I said, these last two games could become for them. These the the second halves of these last two games could really become, you know, Jaden Springer's time to to show some some development this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's also a shame because uh, I believe tonight's game against Brooklyn is being aired on ESPN and the Sixers are playing nobody. And I believe Kyrie Irving is out as well. So what are you going to do? NBA is a full swing. Yeah. I I wonder if we're getting Kevin Durant because he's not on the injury report. Stars not playing on nationally televised games. We are back, baby. Yeah, he's not on the injury report, though. So is Kevin Durant playing is my question. What about James? What about Harden? Harden's not on it either. Funny, is, is enough, Harden... Jay, funny enough, James Harden's going to be in Philly tonight, and Ben Simmons is talking about coming back. Hey, 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 listen. listen. Yeah, listen. Um, well, maybe not, maybe not... Ben comes back and he watches his future team play because apparently oh, Ben, no. the Ben Stop. for Kyrie swap. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> no. In all, in all seriousness, the Ben for Kyrie swap has not been a discussion. Uh, I don't think it would become a discussion. I don't see a reason why the Sixers – one, I always tell you this when yeah. we come on here. Why would the Sixers trade this guy to a team that right. they're, like, direct contenders with? In no way does Daryl Morey look at Brooklyn and say, hey, they have these two prolific scorers in James Harden and Kevin Durant. Let's give them the best perimeter defender in the NBA. That'll definitely go well. Like, no, Daryl Morey, Morey is not pairing a defensive standout like Ben Simmons with two, you know, like all-time scorers in James Harden and Kevin Durant. Although it would be hilarious that after all of this, that James Harden and Ben Simmons ended up as teammates. That would be funny. But that's, when the, you, that's the only thing that would be comical about it. Everything else I'm completely out on. You bring up sending Ben Simmons to Brooklyn. I bring up bringing Kyrie coming to Philly. And I just want to say one name, one name, and then that'll, that should immediately just put out that fire. Andrew Bynum. That's like bringing Kyrie to Philly, Andrew Bynum. He's not going to play for the Philadelphia 76ers yeah. if he comes to Philly. He already said he's going to retire on this spot if he's Literally. traded. No. It's, it would be the worst move. No and Andrew, the Andrew Bynum move really backfired. This would be an awful move yeah, for the no. Sixers. No, thanks. I, I'm out on Kyrie. From a basketball <laughs> perspective, would be a great fit alongside great, yeah. Joel Embiid, but in no way do you take that gamble. Nope, nope. Yeah, and I, I stick to I stick to the same belief that I don't think the Sixers send Ben Simmons to Brooklyn. Yeah. I don't even know. I think the only team that they would realistically send him to that that's close to them is like Cleveland because Ben Simmons doesn't make Cleveland a contender. Indiana, I'm kind of like, uh, Indiana's there. Like they're just they're a playoff team. They're not a championship team. But do you really want to send Ben Simmons to the Indiana Pacers? 
I really doesn't. Th- I don't think it makes that much of a difference, to be honest. Yeah. Like, granted, I granted, I think he makes them better, but they're in the. It's not like they turn into a threat in my eyes, at least. Yeah, but then there's also the Sixers for whatever reason struggle against Indiana whenever they play them. Yeah. I, listen, I mean, Indiana's been just a hot mess behind the scenes these past few years. So this is true. Last year and, was very bad. Right, and then you're going to throw in Ben Simmons after all of this. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, granted, they'd be better. I think they'd, they'd insert themselves into the improved middle class of the Eastern Conference. But, uh, you know, I don't think they become any, like, serious threat to knocking the sister, Sixers out of the playoffs. I just think Ben's going to somewhere like Sacramento, which apparently he would he would walk Yeah. On. We will take one De'Aaron Fox, please. <laughs> <laughs> one D- yeah, I mean, and and listen, that's something that that's why Daryl Morey playing a patient is definitely the smartest move because you don't know Sacramento could come out and get off to a like terrible start, and De'Aaron Fox might just be like, "Hey, listen, trade me away." Hey, I'm gonna and sit out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, you just want to see how everything plays out in the beginning, right. and then maybe Ben Simmons comes to his senses and says like, Hey, I'm losing a lot of money here. I need to come back, kind of drive that value up a little bit. I just had to sell my condo. Yeah. He's <laughs> got to sell the condo that he was never living in for yeah. like the last two years. So let's be real. Rich Paul just wants his agent fee. So he's like, Ben, we need them game checks. Exactly. <laughs> like, Go to work. <laughs> the guy is bleeding money right now. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to get to the Brooklyn matchup on Monday night. And then there's Detroit on Friday. And we'll be back after that. Um, I'm going to assume it's going to be a dreadful matchup in Detroit on Friday because final preseason game can't be fun for anybody, right? I think it's going to be one of the best basketball games we watch all season. (laughs) And that is the Believe in 76ers podcast presented by Bet Online, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Kev, drop your Twitter handle. We didn't do that. Uh, It's at KevinMCCNBA. Mine is at jgrasso underscore, and thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon. to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube